Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homerism Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine and the SB Nation Podcast Network here. There's been a whole lot of change going on this year with the Kansas State Wildcats. We're going to be talking about that and the outlook for the Wildcats in 2019 with our friend and K-State expert Ty Berger, who's kind of the uh, editor emeritus of the site, Bring On the Cats. But before we bring uh, Ty on, just a quick reminder to make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. That just makes it easier for people to find us. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, welcome Ty on. Ty, how are you doing, man? Doing well, Alan. Good to have you. Good to be on again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were just joking beforehand about how uh, we've actually got some new stuff to talk about this year. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've been doing these for a while, and it's, uh, you know, for so long, it was uh, same old, same old with Bill Snyder there in Manhattan. And uh, things have uh, definitely, uh, definitely been kind of turned upside down, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, you don't have the same coach for. You know, I don't remember what it was, 20, 28, 29 out of 32 years. And, you know, and then just uh, switch things up uh, on a dime and expect to know exactly what's going to go on, uh, maybe more so than most coaching changes. But uh, I guess we'll we'll figure out we'll figure out soon where things are going here. Yeah. You know, before we uh, get too deep in the weeds on uh, Kansas State, though, you know, the Big 12 released uh, its own, you know, kind of preseason polls and whatnot uh, uh, this week, you know, preseason uh, team and everything. Um, just any kind of general thoughts on uh, how all that shook out? Not really, uh, or at least not in the sense that I, you know, was outraged by any of it or mm-hmm. thought any of it was terribly out of line. Um, you know, ninth is uh, ninth as a team rating for K-State is certainly lower than we have become accustomed to expecting. Um, but I don't, yeah, I mean, I, at least from the outside looking in, I don't think that's, uh, you know, an unfair look at things right now because um, the program's clearly taken a step backward over the, over the last three to four to five years. Um, and, you know, when you're swapping out uh, one of the, one of the, I hope I'm not overstating things here, but really one of, for what he was, one of the better coaches in college football history and Bill Snyder, uh, you know, for anybody really, uh, and especially, um, you know, sort of a, an unproven, not, not unproven as a coach, but, you know, a, an unproven track really uh, of hiring an FCS coach to a power five uh, school. You know, the, there's not a lot of data on that type of track and what, what there is, is not especially good. So, um, you know, I, I don't find that kind of, you know, I, I don't look at that and say, yeah, you know, I, I think everybody's way off. Optimistically, I look at it and I say, you know what, I think that Oklahoma and Texas are the class of the conference. I think that um, Iowa State and Oklahoma State are probably in that next tier. And then I think there's a big group of teams 
that are probably probably a little bit behind all of them and depending on how things shake out for them could finish really in just about any order there you know you I mean you probably look at Baylor and say Baylor's probably a little further along than most other schools but we get Baylor at home um, you know and we get some of those teams at home so uh, among us and Baylor and Texas Tech and TCU there's kind of a, a muddy group there that could that could shake out just about any way in the middle of the conference I think yeah, I think that's fair. You know, it's kind of uh, like you mentioned the the whole coaching situation obviously just throws a wrench in things. Uh, you know, generally your thoughts on uh, Kleiman? I mean, you know, the hire was he who you were kind of hoping for? Uh, he would. He wasn't my first choice. Um, I I liked Neil Brown. I liked the prospect mm-hmm. of uh, hiring Neil Brown out of Troy, and I was actually pretty disappointed when it turned out that West Virginia got him. Um, given that he seemingly had some interest in K-State. I don't know I don't know how much interest he really had. I don't know if we were really serious about it. I don't know what happened there. So I, anything I said on that would be speculation. But I think that Neil Brown would have really been my pick uh, if, I, you know, if it were up to me and you know, every other factor in the world didn't come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not disappointed with Kleiman. I think it's, yeah, I, I think that one of the necessary preconditions to being the coach at K-State is that you have to really be able to coach football. Um, you know, you can't, you can't rely on superior talent. So you're, and, uh, you know, and, you know, I mean, I suppose that we, we can rely on a schematic advantage to the extent that that really is durable, uh, which I don't think it really is. But, you know, I think that having a guy who can really coach the game, really understands the game, really has an identity for what he wants to do, uh, such that he can organize and recruit around that. Um, you know, I, I think that that's critical to what we need to do at K-State. So I, he, he may not have been my first choice, but uh, you know, I, I'm not disappointed, and I think that there is a reasonable chance that he will have some success in Manhattan. Yeah, so, I mean, tell me a little bit about uh, just the kind of uh... – you know, big changes that you feel like he's really making in the program, or uh, what are some of the things that uh, have kind of caught your eye so far? And you know, with the first what I guess uh, seven months there. <laughs> well, I mean the the really big thing that's changed, um, you know, just because we don't have any actual data points on the field yet, is just the way that the program is managed. Um, and I think that that was going to happen almost no matter who was hired outside of you know outside of Sean Snyder being the hire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it used to be Fort Snyder. You know, no information got out. Everything was on lockdown. There's no social media presence. Uh, you know, all the all the little bells and whistles that go along with every program these days. Um, and I think that that's generated a lot of excitement among the fan base. Just the fact that they do get a peek into what's going on. Um, you know, and they do get some interaction with the uh, with the program that they didn't used to get. Now, will that Will any of that make any difference if we lose to Nichols um, in the first game of the season? No. You know, all that all that goodwill goes up in smoke if you don't win games. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's a nice thing, but it's a distraction. Um, I think the other big change is the recruiting. Um, you know, if, if we're going to actually talk about things that are substantive to winning football games, um, we actually have recruits signed uh, in in July, uh, you know, the year before uh, before signing day, which is – or not signed, sorry, you know, committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, which, you know, I mean, at, at this time of the year, if we had one or two guys verbally committed, that would have been about what you'd expect from Bill Snyder. And I think that we have something like 18 
uh, verbals right now. So, you know, I mean, that that's generating a lot of excitement, just the fact that we have guys that we can point to and look at and project to what we think that they might be in three or four years in the program. So, um, you know, so all that stuff's fun. I mean, as far as the on the field stuff, you know what he's going to do. He's going to run power a million different ways out of 10 different formations um, and, you know, in 20 different personnel groupings and mix in some play action pass and, and some timing patterns and things like that. Um, defensively, it'll be interesting to see what we do. Um, Snyder and uh, Tom Hayes really had an identity for what they wanted to do on defense. And I think that properly executed and with the proper personnel, it, it works fairly well in the Big 12. And it's it's a little bit different from what North Dakota State did. And and Kleiman is a defensive guy. That's his background. So I'll be interested to see how well he adjusts to the Big 12, which is, I mean, it's not, it's not even just a different animal from FCS. It's really a different animal from every other major college football conference. So um, I'll be interesting to see, interested to see what kind of tweaks he makes on defense to match up with the types of teams and offenses that he's going to see. Yes. Now they're bringing in Scotty Hazelton as the actual defensive coordinator, right? He was with uh, Wyoming uh, for a couple of years. He was that, and that was definitely the most exciting hire I think that he yeah. made uh, on his staff for sure. Yeah, yeah, Hazelton is a guy that uh, you know I, when uh, oh, you know I was looking for kind of more under the radar candidates for Oklahoma's uh, opening. That was definitely one guy who uh, came up uh, in my research there. Um, you know, I guess personnel wise, I mean. The funny thing is, is that they've actually got quite a few guys back, right, on the on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they really they really do have quite a bit back, especially on the defensive line. Um, you know, you've got you've got Reggie Walker, who I think was a, an All Big Twelve selection. Um, it surprised me a little bit, just because I feel like he's maybe it's just our fan ex- expectations. I feel like he's un- underperformed the fan expectations a little bit the last few years, but he he certainly has potential, and he had a big year a couple of years ago. Um, you know, but you got Reggie Walker, you've got Trey Deshaun, uh, you got Wyatt Hubert, who I think is going to um, to really take a step forward at end this year. Uh, he, I mean, you know, he was a redshirt freshman last year, which is pretty young in mm-hmm. in uh, in Snyder, yeah, uh, in Snyder's program to be playing. So, um, I think that the defensive line is probably going to be going to be okay they have all those guys i mentioned they have a couple other guys who played quite a bit last year and and some guys like uh bronson massey who have some potential uh and some you know some real athletic upside so um i think that you know defensively they're pretty they're pretty well set there at linebacker they you know they even there they have two guys back and daquan Patton and elijah sullivan who played a lot last year uh, it really sucked to lose Justin Hughes to the uh, ACL injury in in spring ball. Um, I, you know, if we hadn't lost him, I'd really feel good about our linebacking group. But as it is, we have two guys who played quite a bit, and then a whole bunch of question marks mm-hmm. behind them. So, right. So you know, we have some experience and some some good athleticism up front there. But uh, you know, after that, I don't know the 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 thing that's concerning is that we really need that front six to be strong and we really need the the line to be strong because i you know i'm not going to say that our secondary is decimated but when you lose kendall adams and you lose duke shelley uh you know those are hard guys to replace and we you know we have 
a fair amount of guys, uh, you know, who've been in the program for two or three years now who, um, you know, I think could be pretty good players, but you can't, you know, you can't learn on the fly in the big 12. So especially mm-hmm. back there in yeah. second. So, um, you know, we're going to, le- you know, we're obviously going to lean on AJ Parker, uh, Walter Neal, I think will probably play at nickel. And those, those are guys who've played a fair amount. And then you have Denzel Goolsby at safety, who's played quite a bit. And then you're going to have to plug in a bunch of guys at other places. And yeah, if they're ready to go, then we might be all right. And if they're not, it might be kind of a mess. Yeah, you know, you brought up Elijah Sullivan. Uh, you know, I was asked to do a piece for Athlon Sports on uh, kind of wild card players for each team. And on defense, uh, you know, he was kind of my pick for Kansas State. It seems like, you know, ge- keeping him on the field has been an issue. But, you know, once he's out there, I mean, he's got uh, pretty significant potential. I agree. Yeah, I saw that in your piece, and I agreed with you uh, on that pick. Um, he, he's a guy who really could make a difference for us if he's healthy, as you mentioned. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a little learning curve for these guys with the new staff. Um, I, you know, I, I, on offense, I don't think we're doing stuff that's completely, totally foreign to, to these guys, uh, even though we drifted away from some of the old Snyder ball tactics in the last few years. Um, but you know, personnel-wise on offense, I think we're okay for what these guys want to do. Um, but defensively, I just don't know. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to install what they want to do. Um, and that'll be a big question mark for us coming out, it, it, getting those guys up to speed so that they are, you know, they're, that they're playing fast uh, and not thinking about what they're doing. Because they really got to the point at the end of last year where the defense was playing pretty well, uh, <laughs> the Oklahoma game excluded. But... <laughs> Um, you know, but early on in the year, you could tell that they didn't know their assignments. They were guessing. They were, you know, reading, reading and thinking and reacting rather than just, uh, you know, reacting and making plays. So, hopefully, hopefully that experience that they gained toward the end of the year and then whatever install they have to do with the new group uh, will go fairly smoothly. Yeah, um, absolutely. Let's see. Looking at the other side of the ball uh, on offense, there. Uh, you know, Skylar Thompson's back, uh, kind of an up and down year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got to imagine they're going to kind of be lean on him quite a bit to uh, kind of keep things uh, moving, given that, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of experience, right? Yeah, they're going to have to um, because it, <laughs> two months ago or so, the offense looked okay to me. And then uh, Isaiah Zuber transferred and mm-hmm. uh, Hunter Ryzen got in trouble and transferred. So, I, I thought we looked really solid at wide receiver, and now I look at wide receiver and I think, well, this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know we have absolutely no returning experience from our program at running back. We've managed to get some transfers in there, uh, so you know some guys who've played quite a bit. But yeah, it, yeah, it's going to come down to Skyler, um, and it's going to come down to how how well the offensive line can protect him. And we have some returning experience there, so I think we'll be okay on that front. Um, Thompson is a guy who, you know, he, he, I, I guess he's one of those off the bus guys, right? He's, you know, he's tall and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's pretty big and, and he, he stands tall in the pocket. He does all those things that make you, you know, make him look like a really good quarterback, but his numbers just don't match up. Um, you know, there was a, there, obviously we had the quarterback controversy last year between him and Delton, you know, do we want to do the ground based attack or do we want to throw the ball with Thompson? And, you know, a lot of the guys who were all about Thompson were saying you know, all these things he did. And I'm like, but guys, you know, his his 
average yards per attempt are, I, I don't even remember, like 80 or 80th or 90th nationally. And, you know, his, his completion percentage is, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't rank highly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's systemic stuff that was part of the coaching, uh, the coaching staff problems that we had last year. And maybe he, you know, with a staff that is fully behind him and a system that they're going to try to gear around what he can do. Maybe that, maybe that gets better. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're going to lean on him <laughs> such as that mm-hmm. goes. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah. Now, uh, one guy uh, you you mentioned, you know, the uh, transfer James Gilbert, I believe, right from uh, Ball State. Uh, this is a guy who was, uh, you know, he he was a major producer uh, when, you know, again uh, when he was on the field. Uh, you know, this is a tough spot, though. I mean, he's got big shoes to fill. I thought Alex Barnes was a really, really just uh, he was just a reliable kind of warrior there in the backfield for uh, KSU. Uh, what's what's Gilbert going to bring to the table? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, it, it really hurts that Barnes didn't come back, and I totally understand his decision. I think it was the right decision for him. Uh, you know, selfishly mm-hmm. as a fan, I would, I would love to have him back this year because um, I think that can make a huge difference. But you know, Gilbert is kind of a—he's he, a smaller back than Barnes. He's a kind of a smaller, shiftier back. Um, for his—you know—for his height, he—he he packs a, a fair amount of punch. You know, he's—he—he he still is a, a small back overall um and I, I think that he could work out with what they want to do because i think that his experience and uh you know just, just having that experience as a running back and the vision to read your blocks and uh you know and pick holes and where to go you know is something that a lot of uh, you, that you have to develop at the college level you know a lot of young backs are just well give me the ball and i'm just going to go beat people and that doesn't work at this level nearly as well as it usually uh, you know as it might have worked in high school for them so uh, I think that having his experience will help a lot, um, and yeah, I think that he—he's not—he's not terribly dissimilar from some of the runners that uh, North Dakota State had. You know, sure they had some of the some of your big bell cow type running backs, but they—they they had some some smaller backs that they mixed in on occasion as well. I think so. Um, you know, I, I think that he is a pretty good option for us up front. Um, <laughs> the. Yeah, and then we have the uh, Jordan Brown, the transfer from North Carolina too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I'm not, you know, I mean, having him is great. You, you obviously need at least a couple of running backs these days, but um, yeah, I just don't know nearly as much about him, um, and his production is not nearly on the level of Gilbert's. So, yeah, running back is, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too uncomfortable with it with Gilbert in the mix, but it's, it's a huge question mark after that. Right, right. Well, um, you know, you mentioned all that uh, experience up front on the offensive line. It's a pretty, you know, a pretty solid group, really, right? Yeah, it really is. Um, you have the obvious returners in uh, in uh, Holtorf at center and uh, Scott France and Tyler Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
the two losses were big. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. Dalton Reisner was a was a really good player, um, and, and we're not going to replace him. You know, you're not going to you're not going to get back to that level of production. Um, and Abdul Beecham, I think, was underrated a little bit. He was he was a tough guy. He said, you know, he, he him he and Reisner uh, were kind of the attitude of the line, and you need a little bit of that in your offensive line. Yeah. Um. So so those two guys really kind of set the tone. Um. And. Uh, so, so you know, beyond just their ability, that, that that's a tough thing to lose. Um, Nick Kaltmeyer has been in the program for at least three years now, and he's he's played some, which is which is kind of impressive because we've had uh, a, you know a strange amount of continuity on the offensive yeah. line the last two years. So yeah, and and we also haven't really been <laughs> blowing anybody out, so he hasn't been getting garbage time play. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't been getting a bunch of garbage time play for guys. So. Um, I think that he's going to be okay stepping in uh, for Reisner. I think that I think this kid Josh Rivas will probably be the guy who steps in for Beecham. Um, he he was he was a massive kid when he came in. Right. Into yeah. I want to say he came in at like three thirty or something like that. And I I haven't looked at the roster lately, but I think he's slimmed down. So I think that some of that was probably bad weight. But mm-hmm. um, he's a really big kid, um, and he's. He's been in the program for a couple of years now, so he, you know, I mean, it, it, the good news at least is that we're not turning to a bunch of true freshmen or redshirt freshmen on the line, which is always a major red flag. So, um, and I think with the I think with the anchor of those three guys plus Kaltmeyer, I think we'll probably be okay there. I, you know, I, it's going to be a it's it's going to be a new system for them, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of different concepts, I think, um, but. You know, even even the last couple of years um, when we were kind of changing things up on offense, we still got guys out moving and polling and, and leading. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so I don't think that this is going to be, you know, a, a, you know, a completely foreign concept for them. Right. And then, uh, you know, a lot of turnover at receiver, though. Uh, you know, Isaiah Zuber was one guy that I know that, uh, you know, Kansas State fans were hoping for, uh, you know, kind of uh, – really put it together finally this year too and uh, he's gone to mississippi state you mentioned Ryzen. uh who are who do you think is going to be the go-to guy here shown yeah it's going to be dalton shown <laughs> um which you know, i i mean i laugh because you know in in an ideal world he's you know kind of your slot receiver guy that you move right. around and and a possession type of guy he's not a feature receiver um you know <laughs> texas fans might scoff at that because he <laughs> they they completely forgot mm-hmm. about him a couple of times down there a couple of years ago and he made some big plays but yeah i, I mean unless you just lose him he's not going to just just straight up beat you um he's he, he runs he runs good routes he has good hands and those are all things that you want uh in a receiver um i you know i don't know beyond beyond that it's gonna be interesting because late last year uh when everything was in turmoil they really started playing a bunch of different guys um, so I think you're going to see guys like Joaquin Gill and Malik Knowles uh, get some run. They, you know, they had some catches last year, but it was you know it's hard to judge um, hard to judge what what you have in them based on what you saw late in that season. Um, one guy to to watch just because of his size is Chavastin Taylor. Um, he's big, which has not been a, a feature mm-hmm. of our wide receiver core. Over yeah. The last, well, for I I. I I'd be hard pressed. Other than Byron Pringle, I'd be hard pressed to name the last big receiver that we had. Um, so, so if he can if he can develop um, and be a reliable option with some size, that would be huge. Um, just because it's it's kind of hard to hit those five eleven guys all the time. 
Um, so there's some there's some speed and there's uh, you know there's some size there with Gill and Knowles and Taylor. Um, those are the those are the main guy. Those four with Shown will be the the main ones out there. And you know with this coaching staff, we're probably not going to be running a ton of uh, four wide sets. So you know two wide, three wide. Uh, those guys are going to be the main ones. It'll be interesting to me to see. Uh, if that kid that we got out of Lawrence, Keenan Garber, gets on the field, he he looked really good as a recruit. Um, and I I if there is anybody uh, who might have a chance of getting on the field as a freshman, I I think he has a chance. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess um, you know anything to really watch with this team. A sign that uh, you know you think could be kind of the the make or break kind of aspect of, of what's going on this year, what could, you know, potentially turn the year from, uh, you know, success to failure or in the opposite way. Well, there, so there are two things that I'll be watching and, and, uh, one of them is based on results, uh, of a couple of games. And the other is just kind of a general, uh, program attitude thing. A friend of mine and I have talked extensively about, just the malaise that seemed to set in on this program over the last few years. And it was really exemplified in that game against Vanderbilt in Nashville a few years ago mm-hmm. that that team just looked absolutely dead. There was no emotion. There was no action on the sidelines. Um, everybody just kind of stood there with their helmet in their hands and watched the game stone faced um, and, and watched us lose 14 to seven to a very middling Vanderbilt team. Yeah. Um, and that was the point at which I think a lot of a lot of red flags went up. Like, what what's wrong with this program? There's 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 no attitude. There's no emotion. There's no desire. That you know everybody is just kind of doing their job and going through the motions. Um, and you, you know, I you've seen some of it on social media with the the former players joking about all the fun stuff that the players now get to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, listening to music and practices and having your shirt untucked and practices yeah. things like that. And, you know, and having that breath of fresh air with a new coaching staff that doesn't micromanage those types of things that, you know, I mean, you can make your arguments either way, but to me, they don't really matter. Um, it, you know, that's going to help. And how much that loosens up everybody to just go out and have fun and play um, is something that I'm going to watch. That's something I'll be interested to see. I, I, I want to see guys that are excited to be out there and playing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know it's hard. I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a lot of pain. Um, but hopefully it's still fun for them at the end of the day. Um, and, and, and just seeing that on the field would be huge. Um, as far as results, I think there, there are two games early that are going to be interesting. And the first one is obviously the Nichols game, just because it'll be our first look at the team. Nichols is not a pushover of an opponent. They beat KU last year, which, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. but, but we also, and you know, and you saw our game against KU last year, we're not at the point where we can just walk on the field and just be like, well, we're just, we're just simply more talented and better organized than KU is. Um, mm. You know, we, we had to scrape and claw <laughs> to, to win that game last year. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that was at home. So, you know, I don't, I don't think we can walk into an opener like that and just say, ah, you know what, we're, we're just going to roll over these guys because we have more more talent and more players and all this and that. Um, but, you know, I also don't think that the coaching staff is going to take the same approach that Snyder used to take to early season games, which was to do the absolute bare minimum, mm-hmm. get a win and, and move on. So, you know, I, hopefully that, that, you know, that like I mentioned, that breath of fresh air along with, um, you know, 
uh, you know, hopefully a, you know, a better organized coaching staff uh, leads us to come out and, and, and play well. My concern is that if we come out and it's obvious they're still learning the system and they're slow and they are unsure of themselves and we, you know, we muddle around and, and just you know, either lose or just barely walk out with a win. Yeah, that doesn't set a great tone. Um, but so those are the things I'll be looking for in that one. Then the, the other one that I think will demonstrate the upside possible for this team is the trip to Starkville. Um, not that I expect to beat Mississippi State, but they lost a ton last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Yeah, they lost, they lost their quarterback. They lost the, the their studs on the defensive line. Um, yeah, I'm sure yeah, because they've they've been very well coached over the last – five or six years i'm sure that their recruiting has been fine i'm sure that they still have good players um but i I, you know i don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year so that's one of those games where you just don't know how things are going to shake out early if if our coaches really hit the ground running and we're ready to go and they stumble and they're not ready you know that's one where if you play well and lose or if you somehow go in there and steal one all of a sudden you're totally changing your thinking on the outlook for the rest of the year yeah, yeah. Well, it should be uh, very, very interesting to to uh, kind of follow this because, like you mentioned, I mean, Snyder really is one of the all-time great, uh, you know, college football coaches. And it's funny, you know, you brought up the kind of malaise in the program. You know, fun isn't exactly one of the words that I ever associated <laughs> with Snyder. But, uh, you know, it, 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 he it always – It was fun when they won, and, and after yeah. that stopped happening, it, it got unfun. <laughs> really fast yeah yeah it was it was always such a uh, meat and potatoes kind of approach to football too so uh i'll be uh i'll be interested to see uh, you know it seems like culturally they got a they made a good hire uh you know now it's just a matter of putting it all together so uh anyway ty thanks so much man for coming on really appreciate it you bet thanks thanks for having me i always enjoy it Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's our good friend, Ty Berger. Like I mentioned, you can find uh, him occasionally writing over at, uh, bring on the cats. Uh, you know, he's a Kansas state expert though. Love having Ty on and thanks to, uh, all of you for joining us as well. Make sure to, uh, rate review, subscribe to, uh, the podcast, wherever you, uh, uh, get your podcasts and, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, take it easy y'all.